You're listening to Richmond Famous, a podcast about food, culture, and community in Richmond, Virginia. I'm Laura Sant. I'm Nicole Lang. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4, where Abby Huntington is Richmond Famous. This week, we have on the pod, on the pod, I like saying that, on the pod. No one says on the cast, right? No, I don't think so, yeah. yeah. We've got Abby Huntington, Richmond restaurant stalwart. <laughs> then general manager of Dinamo. Um, and according to her Instagram profile, a half-ass file. <laughs> Are we saying that right? Enophile. <laughs> uh, basically, we, uh, we learn a lot about her history in wine and how wine kind of brought her back to Richmond. Yeah. To where she is now, yeah. in a way. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's half-assed at it at uh, yeah, all it doesn't appear that she's half-assed <laughs> at, at anything yeah actually she's um, using her whole ass she is always using her whole ass abby huntington here you go folks hi i'm um abby huntington i am the manager of dinamo restaurant right here in richmond virginia in good old richmond virginia <laughs> virginia where the governor well let's not talk about it <laughs> yes please let's not can you just explain what Dinamo is like for people who have never been there? Sure. Um, for the two people. <laughs> um, we are a small um, Italian Jewish restaurant. Um, yeah, when I say small, we have about eight tables in our restaurant. Um, so very cozy. We, are, we do have a couple of restaurants that we're affiliated with. Our sister restaurants or our mommy restaurant. <laughs> our mommy restaurant is Mama Zoo, um, which I'm sure most people who live in the city of Richmond are familiar with. Um, really amazing Italian food. Um, and Edo Squid, which is also really amazing Italian food. Um, one of the owners of Edo's is um, Brad wine uh, and he is Jewish and then uh, a lady who worked at Mama Zoo for forever for well over a decade uh, Maya Anatai uh, is Jewish as well so they both decided to open up Dinamo with kind of pulling from their their Jewish backgrounds um, and wanted to just do something a little bit different than the other two restaurants. Have you been at Dinamo since it opened? No, I, uh, I've only been there for two years now. Um, I just moved back to Richmond, so... Oh, yes, I... let's talk about that. <laughs> I'm back. Wait, where did you come from? Um, well, let's see. Where did you originally come from? Right. Yeah, Ooh. <laughs> Everyone always asks me that question my whole life, and I've, I've never had an answer for it because we moved around so much growing up, but um, I did uh, move here in 99 to go to VCU, um, my boyfriend at the time wanted to go to art school, so, you know, it was a no-brainer to move to Richmond. I like the look on your face as you said that. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to talk about that boyfriend. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and uh, I finished college and then never left, and I think that's, you know, back then, that's kind of a lot of people's story um, who found themselves sticking around Richmond back in the 2000s. Um, and yeah, I, I left college, didn't want to go into the actual career path that I'd chosen. So I started working, um, in restaurants and Joe's Inn was my first restaurant job here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I worked there for about three and a half years, uh, bartending. 
So yeah, I've been at so many places. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to like list them yeah, all? The it. ones that you can remember? Yeah, just whatever Please. you remember. Yeah. Just throw it sure. out. Sure. Uh, let's see. I think it went Josen and then uh, Caliente. Mm. Um, and then Avalon, um, which most people in this city know me from Avalon. Right. Um, I worked there for eight years. Uh, I was bartender and then became the, the manager of Avalon. Um, Ibanema Cafe, I bartended there for many years. Uh, Couscous, I bartended oh there as well. <laughs> what, what years-ish? What was Avalon? What years? Um, oh, man. Let's see. Probably from, it would have been from 2001 to 2009. Um, I left Avalon and um, actually started working in wine distribution um, in 2009. So. And was that here? Right, yeah. So Free Run Wine Merchants. Um, it's a little company, although they're now actually growing into a pretty large, medium-sized company. Um, they, uh, John Paul Chesky is the owner and he had just kind of started out. It was like a one man show. Um, I was buying wine for Avalon. And so I, I kind of met him and started a relationship with him through the restaurant, but, um, really, you know, was fascinated by wine. So I wanted to, to learn more. And, um, he's kind of, you know, who I credit with like educating me and propelling me and pushing me forward in the wine industry. Um, so when he wanted to expand ever so slightly, um, I decided to join him and it was kind of just the two of us for, for a while. So I, I um, decided to move to DC um, for free run wine merchants um, to expand us into the DC market. Um, I just had a question about, oh yeah, so this might be too early for this, but so DC... You were there for for quite a while, more than I thought. How do you find these the two cities like com- uh, comparatively? Like, do you are you like, oh my God, Richmond has so much catching up to do in the in the you know realm of of dining and 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 wine, uh, food and wine, or do you think Richmond is like getting there, or did it make you a snob? Like, just let it tell <laughs> tell me your thoughts. Um, well. That's a loaded question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. That's what I was like, coming out of the gate with this. Uh, well, let me, let me first say um, I did leave the distribution side to go back to the um, restaurant side of things. I'm in D.C. So, um, oh, okay. And I, I ended up um, as a sommelier at um, a restaurant called Iron Gate up there. Um, and... Um, You know, D.C., I don't think that I would have, if I'd stuck around in Richmond, um, and I don't think that I would have gained the knowledge um, or had been surrounded by the people who pushed me to really, like, take that further step in in the wine industry, um, which I, I think that that's still, unfortunately, the thing that is does differentiate the two cities is Mm -hmm. that... In D.C., there's just, there are, you know, just a a ton more restaurants. Um, People who are in the restaurant industry up there are slightly more um, career-focused within the industry. Certainly. And um, just, I mean, the caliber of the programs, the beverage programs that are up there, and the caliber of the restaurants are a step uh, above Richmond. Right. I mean, it's, it's kind of unfair to be like, you know, compare Richmond yeah, to, the, so you know, bigger. yeah, the yeah. Washington, D.C. But it's, um, I think it's important to discuss because I find 
that the first thing you said is like glaringly obvious here where it's like and I mean even even the his, your own history kind of speaks to that whereas like people kind of just get into the restaurant industry for whatever reason here and it's not people who are like no I'm in this to win it I mean there are those people exist sure. don't get me wrong absolutely but but I, I think that the pool is heavier on the the other side of that where you know it's like I'm doing this to live to you know do whatever I'm doing in Richmond yeah like maybe the people who are really serious about learning a lot have to leave for a period of time yeah and and I don't I don't expect it would be like that always but um but I think that 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 certainly is something that you know working in, in the restaurants that I've worked in I've seen it's hard to find good people <laughs> well I think that speaks to like a larger issue that we're having Definitely here in Richmond, but in, in every city across this country and many, many people, many chefs, many um, important people in the industry have begun to seriously talk about this. You know, we we just we have too many restaurants um, and we are continuing to open too many restaurants and it's not sustainable. And so like where where do who do we hold accountable and where do we hold the accountability for that um, in in what we're doing to our own industry and our own city um and that that concerns me the most and I think that's the thing about this industry that I'm, I'm most worried about um they're just as we open more restaurants your 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 pool of yeah, talent gets, <laughs> gets smaller, smaller, and smaller and smaller and then you know like if, if that's what we want we want a bunch of mediocre um spots sure you know flooding our city but that's not what I want. I, right. I, I don't think I need a lot of choices, but I want quality choices. Um, do you, so personally, would you, do, is it a long list or a short list when, when someone's like, hey, I'm going to Richmond. Do you have any recommendations? And you don't have to share the places if you don't want. I'm just saying like, are you, like, do you, do you feel like the dining scene needs work? It's a very short list. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah, very, <laughs> very, very short list. And, um, but like a really solid list. I stand behind the, the choices on my list, like a hundred percent. Right. Um, and honestly, um, I moved, you know, moving back, it was, it was hard to find a good meal for a little bit. Um, so ta in talking about that, why, what brought you back? Um, well, I had a baby, so. <laughs> you had a baby. I had a baby. She's, um, she's not a baby anymore. She's not, no, she's two and a half now. Um, and yeah, I mean, DC, while there were some great things about that city and, um, and I really loved working up there in the industry. Um, it's not a, this industry is not a forgiving, um, industry for, um, raising a family, but, uh, DC is an even more unforgiving city for trying yeah, I mean, to raise gosh, a family just, within yeah, that industry. So trying to have them live in a, where, like, where do they, do we, yeah. we were living in like a, a tiny little basement apartment, oh, wow. 600 square feet. She had taken over the bedroom and we were, there was like maybe, you know, six, 12 inches of floor <laughs> space left for her to learn to walk in. And right. I, I was like, I've had it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so my, um, my boyfriend had never lived here in Richmond, but, um, I was looking for, um, options and, you know, was not married to staying in DC. So, uh, you know, I was like, okay, there's this great little city, you know, not too far away, um, that I think we should really consider. Um, I've always, when I left Richmond, I always, you know, thought at some point I would come back, 
Um, I, I love this city so much and, um, and I knew that I had to leave to go push myself forward, um, in my career, but I wanted to come back and give back to, um, the city that I love. So it was always kind of in the back of my mind to eventually do that one day. Um, and this, she just kind of forced our, our hand a little bit sooner than we probably would have liked. I, I remember I was like supposed to go to Italy on a wine buying trip and, uh, and I found out I was pregnant, you know, so just a lot of, you know, those kind of not regrets, but just like, oh, great. Now I'm, you know, living now this life. Um, and, you know, moving back to Richmond and, you know, everybody that I knew had had kind of moved forward in their careers in a, in a great way um but just sort of not still not feeling like a real connection to the beverage industry here and kind of trying to you know find my wine people again and um and find that community and it wasn't really until you know the women in wine thing popped up that um most recently that kind of really like brought it all home for me and, and made me feel like, right, this is why I moved back to Richmond. This is what Richmond is really about. Like this great, smaller community of people just supporting each other um, in, yeah. in whatever pursuit or hobby or, um, you know, moving forward. And that. if you want to know about women in wine, uh, check the show notes and we'll have a, um, I don't think there's a link, but there's an email address. There is. Yeah. And we'll explain what it is. Um, I wanted to talk more about Dinamo for a second and um, what you like and dislike about the job and not in a like catty way, but just like, you know, kind of like you were just saying in D.C. when you had a, a group of people that you would speak about wine to in the dining room and it was like a positive experience, stuff like that. Like what? Well, first of all, maybe you could describe like what is a, a regular Dinamo? Like what? Like who are they? What are they doing? What are they like? Mm-hmm. Why are they there? We have so many, there's like so many different categories. We were lucky enough to pull in new people all the time. People who've never, who like I said, you know, I still have, I would say like 30 to 40% of the time every week. Um, people who don't know, I've never been in our restaurant before and who don't know anything about Edo Squid or Mama Zoo. Mm-hmm. And that's the people who I want to continue to attract. And I think um, that's what will keep Dinamo around and keep us moving forward. So constantly kind of focusing on, yeah, I mean, p- big part of my job is like seeing that bigger picture and, and how do how do we move Dinamo forward and, and keep it fresh and keep it lively and keep it competitive um, in this city of, you know, the other small great restaurants emerging um, and keep keep the old people, the old guys, um, still enjoying their experiences with us. Right. But you know, having you know, rotating featured wines that are like really cool and distinct and interesting and specials that yeah, the are wine a little thing bit is, more is really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys talk about on social media. It's it's very exciting. Yeah, I mean, I just tried to. I wanted to just update the beverage program a little bit. I think everything since I've come to Dinamo has just been not about changing what Dinamo is, but adding to it. Yeah, because I love it so much and I love the simplicity of it. And I think, you know, with everything that's happening with food and wine and beverage all around the country, it's, you know, 
there's there was a shift to very like artisanal avant-garde you know um gastro and all that kind of stuff but now you've you've definitely seen a shift back to just simple good food and um I'm lucky enough to you know be in a place that's already kind of has been doing that for a long time um but that doesn't mean that there aren't small improvements you can always make and that that was for me the the wine list coming in and and sort of seeing what wines were on that list and just being a little a little put off and and wanting to just you know kind of change that up a little bit and I've had nothing but positive response um from our guests about that a little bit about what you added to the wine list or what your overall like philosophy is with what you put on there philosophy of wine (laughs) sure sure yeah definitely um for me I think uh you know it's an Italian restaurant um and I've I love Italian wine. I mean, I think you, one of the easiest ways to navigate like food and wine is just to choose the wine from the region, the food that you're eating. There's a, there's thousands of years of history, (laughs) um, that why those two things go together so well. And Italy is a perfect example of that. I mean, there's, and just the regionality, um, and the differences just within Italy alone from North to South is just, it's incredible and um I kind of will probably stick around in Italy for a while with my passion for wine because there's still so much for me to learn about um from north to south but and that's the same thing with the food so um I wanted to showcase that a little bit more and I think people's perception of Italy and Italian wine is is so limited unfortunately and they've kind of just been you know, raised with like Barolo and mm-hmm. Tuscany and, and kind of thinking, well, they're just these big wines, you know, but expen- big, expensive Italian wines. And it's not the case at all. Um, you can drink pretty much the entire spectrum um, within Italy um, and fantastic whites, too. You know, people don't realize they don't think about Italian white wine, but like so food friendly across the board. So... I wanted to just, yeah, bring that to the table and to the conversation. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to learn from a really great guy up in D.C., Brent Kroll, um, who developed a a wine program um, focusing on indigenous varietals Mm -hmm. um, in Greece and southern Italy. So I kind of really dug into learning about all these very small regions. within southern Italy and and that kind of just led to me bringing that to Dinamo and we have a couple known you know grape varietals on the list but then there's a lot of just out of the box stuff like uh, Galeopo you know from Calabria which is a really cool red varietal that's kind of just kind of up and coming I mean I hate saying that when you're talking Mm -hmm. about wine because (laughs) there's no truth in that whatsoever (laughs) historically they've been making (laughs) Galeopo in Calabria for centuries right. but you know I'm you you didn't see it's any really of it before get hip in this century you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was never in the U.S. market and that yeah. that's what I mean by up and coming um and it's really I think that's one of the coolest things about wine and what why wine shifting so much is these um fantastic importers now who are bringing in um and a lot more direct importing um of these really great unknown varietals from around the world and smaller producers 
smaller distributors, smaller importers, and they're kind of taking over the whole wine industry. These larger companies are really falling apart. Their portfolios are dissipating and being snatched up by the smaller guys. And, and that's what needs to happen for really great, you know, inexpensive, um, delicious, small production, um, biodynamic, sustainably focused uh, wines to get into the hands of our, our guests and our consumers and you know, and that's so. Yeah, I love I love being able to to be a part of that, yeah. be a part of getting that into our guest hands and and having a conversation and having people get excited to ask questions about yeah. about wine. Yeah, that must be so gratifying. Mm-hmm. It's why I went back to this side of things. I mean, you know, it's kind of selfish in some regard because it is that like immediate right. gratification that you get when mm-hmm. you open a, a bottle of wine for a table and like it's something new that they're discovering and you just you know it's a high it's yeah. like a, <laughs> an ego trip high but that's what I love about it <laughs> and so how did um how did Dinamo get into the equation was that like in your mind or was it an offer or did it like how did that occur um it kind of was just a sort of perfect timing scenario um but that being said, when I knew that when I moved back, I, I wanted to, the reason for moving back was a slower pace of life and, you know, and, and a slower, slower life to spend more time with my daughter. So, um, yeah, I mean, I knew I wanted to look for like a, you know, a smaller, more low key kind of restaurant setting from the craziness of the restaurant I had been uh, managing in D.C., uh, and Maya kind of reached out and it was just sort of through mutual friends. I mean, we knew each other in college, so right. you know, we were friends, but, um, yeah, it was the timing worked out perfectly. And I was like an eight table restaurant. Like, <laughs> I think I can handle that. <laughs> it's it's so funny because it kind of seems like such an odd thing that you could have. And like, when I walk into Dinamo and I, again, like let the snob accusations fly, I feel like I'm in a major city because in major cities, there's no space and mm-hmm. they will cram a restaurant into whatever yes. godforsaken yeah. corner they can. Yeah. Exactly. So and, you know, coming from New York, I always think like, oh, this is like the size of a restaurant in, mm-hmm. in a neighborhood in New York. And you it, it is associate it with a, a good restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like I'm very suspicious of big restaurants. Right. Still. Right. And I, <laughs> uh, having lived there. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. because how are, how are you able to sustain, like, that large of a space? Yeah. Like, what, what, what corners are you, are you cutting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I get that feeling of, like, that small family, hole-in-the-wall, special neighborhood joint uh, when I think of Dinamo. That's awesome to hear. And, and, and it's very – it's funny because it's in this c- kind of, like uh, – City town. That's what I always refer to Richmond as a city town because, like, it sure it has a skyline, but like you can see the same car like twice in one day on the, on the streets. You're like, oh, there goes you know vanity plate, whatever again. And it's so it, it has that like bigness, but it also has that small community feel. So to have like one of those tiny restaurants that's busy and that is well known and and that can you know succeed, it's funny. Because it kind of goes against, like, the Richmond thing for me. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like, like, oh, what is this restaurant doing here? Yeah, but thank God it's here. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We were we almost went last night, but yeah. um, it didn't work out. Uh, yeah, I'm constantly, uh, I think I spend most of my days there 
like trying to reformulate the puzzle of the the dining space in my <laughs> head and I'm like where can I squeeze in like two more seats and it's I mean you know it's, it's always a fun game to play in my head but then it, you know always the realization sets in like oh wait we're still in Richmond and if people don't have a seat for their bag and their coat they're going to just freak the fuck out <laughs> so well let's you know nix that plan and <laughs> and I have actually like moved some shifted some tables around in in Dinamo to, to try and gain that extra table which would be huge for us you know um and you know there's always like immediately um, one guest who will walk in the door and just, you know, either move the table over because he doesn't have enough space for his mansplaining or, right. yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. just yeah. like, <laughs> um, and then it, I'm just like, yeah, oh, right, right, okay, we'll, we'll move that back, we'll take that seat back. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny how Richmond does have this, like, unspoken or unacknowledged in, like, the civilian side of like w- what people will deal with and what they won't deal with yeah mm-hmm. yeah well I mean it, it makes sense because I think like people live here in part because they don't have to deal with a lot of the stuff that you have to deal with in bigger oh, yeah, cities like so, parking yeah. or waiting yeah waiting sitting in small spaces <laughs> <laughs> although I like the amount of time I've spent waiting for coffee in this town I'm just like what the oh yeah Come there's on, guys. no it's yeah. coffee like there's it's a certain fast things thing. that's not or, or cocktails oh yeah mm-hmm. yep yep <laughs> yeah uh, oh wait I so oh, ahead, do you want to talk a little bit about um like what your days are like at Dinamo like what do you do day to day there Ooh. um <laughs> do you so, work at night so boring um I do I do I work um a couple nights and then I pick up shifts I feel like I always see there. you in the in the daytime I'm mainly there during the day um which is the appealing part about yeah, um being there because um my boyfriend and I are able to balance um you know kind of working opposite schedules to refrain from dealing with daycare um on a regular basis which is the only way we can really afford to have a child so valuable (laughs) yeah um and you know I'm while I would love to be there at night more often um you know I'm, I'm kind of trying to change that aspect of my lifestyle for my daughter um but I I still really enjoy um being in the restaurant at night because it is it's such a important thing and such a different feel um, to the restaurant and during the day and at nighttime. And I'm a, I'm a night person, you know, I was a bartender for 15 years. So (laughs) I, I love kind of, you know, when the lights are low and the music is sexy and, uh, you know, you know, people are getting drunk and it's, it's a cool, it's a cool vibe and it's a cool feeling. Is it open during the day as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do lunch, um, Monday through Friday, um, and I think one of the best kept secrets, which maybe not a secret anymore, guys, but mm-hmm. <laughs> Dinamo never closes between lunch and dinner. So it's that kind of awkward in between time where there seems to be no restaurants open in the city. Yeah. Um, you know, we've always got our, our doors open and cooking food. So wait, in we fact, interrupted you talking about what you do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the boring stuff that all managers of restaurants do, it's, it's really boring. Um, you know. <laughs> um ordering um scheduling payroll uh payroll um you know we we do um a good amount of catering um so organizing yeah uh organizing catering events organizing private parties um we've done we've done weddings we've done um you know large corporate events um we've done tiny little intimate art openings um you know, we, I, we obviously have a, 
um, a specific kind of clientele that I think we're not doing, you know, like um, major um, like VCU events or things in that nature. But because we're so close to VCU, we get a lot of like the departments um, will will cater for them. Um, we do a lot of, you know, departmental lunches and things of that nature. Uh, when you brought up VCU, it made me think of all the expansion that's been going on in that neighborhood. And uh, I have actually haven't been on that block in in a minute. But um, can you talk about what's been happening on that block and, and how it affected you guys and how everyone feels about it? <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak to how everyone feels about it. Um, I'll definitely speak to, you know, what's been going on on the block. Um, yeah, they, you know, tore down the um, kind of, I think, famous old school pharmacy that was right on the corner there that everybody who's lived in this city, I think, kind of always, like, especially people in the industry, always salivated over oh, that yeah. bu- building, you know, they were like, I want to open something there. And when's it going to go up for sale? And, and when is someone going to go in there and turn that fan off? That <laughs> fan has been on for 10 years and now it's gone. Now it's completely gone. Um, so for the city, I think it was really a moment where, um, you know, what Richmond was, um, the sort of confronting that what Richmond was is really changing. I mean, Richmond's always been a city that, you know, has been very slow to to change, um, a slow-moving ship, and and I always appreciated and loved that about that this city, but moving back just in the last two years, I've really noticed how incredibly quickly things are developing um, here in Richmond, and it's unnerving for me, having just left D.C. and seen the, the widespread gentrification happening up there. Um, so, you know, the seeing a kind of leaving that and then immediately seeing, you know, these beautiful historic buildings being torn down right next to us and a massive um, kind of hideous 100-unit um, apartment. 100 units? 100-unit. Oh um, space go up has been difficult to say to say the least and I think difficult for everybody in that neighborhood you know I mean and a lot of those people are are um, regular patrons so you know we've we've tried to to console oh, them so it's, uh, people are living in there now no not yet oh, they okay. haven't they haven't opened it yet I mean more of the people in um you know right that uh, have Oregon lived in Hill Oregon Hill and, for a long time yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um but you know I mean cities have to change yeah. so I'm not you know, and, and for all we know, it's going to be great for us, you know, 100 units, that's, that could mean a lot more foot traffic right there. It's not um, VCU, however, I'm sure students will be living there, but, you know, it is a private, um, private construction mm-hmm. that, that went up. Um, I don't know. I mean, I have, I have mixed feelings about all the changes happening yeah. here in Richmond, um, having just sort of move back from again like I said a city that's that developed insanely quickly um and the, the struggles that it saw because of that but I don't know I mean I I worry that we're Richmond's not making the, the smartest decisions though in in that regard and um and the whole reason why people are so attracted to Richmond right now you know around the country um, is because it's always been this really beautiful, organically grown um, kind of 
community. Um, you look around at most of the businesses, um, and they're all, you know, people who've lived in the city for a long time and, and put work into developing a really great arts and food and culture scene here in Richmond. Um, and they are all the business owners now, you know, and they are the ones that are propelling all that forward and mm -hmm. pushing it forward and the ICA opening and all, you know, that's, that's really fantastic. But then unfortunately that attracts developers who, you know, from larger cities who, you know, don't, don't necessarily care about those, um, those not traditions, but the, you know, that, that kind of feeling or, or maintaining that, that, that authenticity. Or they'd rather hang on to a piece of real estate and pay and pay and pay rather right. than get a business in there. Right. Um, so if, if you were to like take us to Dinamo one night this week and order for it. the table, <laughs> yeah, let's really do it. But also hypothetically, what would you order for us? Like what are the dishes that really stand out to you there? Ooh, it's so hard because, yeah, and you know, it's like, again, I think what I talked about when we first started talking about Dinamo is like, you can have so many different experiences right. there. You can so go simple or you can go, yeah. yeah. So like, I always, yeah, well, that's the thing. I think what are you have, what are you in the mood for that evening? I mean, um, I will say one of my, one of the things I do love, and this is just kind of inherent in um, Italian cuisine and Mediterranean cuisine in general. I mean, I'm an acid head, so it's like acid on every plate. Yeah. Um, and uh, I love just like some of those more kind of like just bright, fresh dishes that we have on the menu. For instance, like the calamari with Swiss chard, I think is a, f a fan favorite across the board. Um, just sauteed calamari with um, Swiss chard, a lot of garlic, a lot of lemon um and it's just super bright and vibrant um and fresh and then you know we have like chickpea and hearts of palm salad which is like another fan favorite ton of lemon you've on had it that. i think so yeah, yeah you got that when we went for lunch for my birthday a couple of years ago yeah i remember mm -hmm. that in the cabbage oh the cabbage, cabbage. why <laughs> will you just tell me why the cabbage is so good um, go get the cabbage no people cabbage. go get the cabbage <laughs> get the cabbage for sure um it's fantastic and the secret really is just that it's like we cook it in our pizza oven so it's like 600 degrees mm. um i've tried to replicate it at home with the exact recipe so many times me too and with i've a, been doing it since 2009 yep <laughs> trying yep and i know jared do you remember jared young i don't know if you remember a good friend of mine back in the day but he was a chef back in the mid 2000s I probably, I probably he, know by sight yep and he um I would force him to cook it for me all the time came it's close good, but, such a good dish yeah. it's like one of my favorite dishes I think probably in of all time mm -hmm. it's so that cabbage it's so simple too I mean when people always ask like what's in here there has to be like chicken stock there has to be like something in here and I'm like no it's really honestly it's like cabbage and carrots <laughs> and <laughs> olive oil <laughs> It's so, I mean, and the, but that's what I love uh, it's again kind of, about Dinamo. Like yeah. the, it, we're, the, it's simple, it's simple food, just incredibly awesome well ingredients, done. awesome ingredients, fresh ingredients. You know, we don't have a walk-in out back 
don't think many restaurants can say that in this city. Um, so we're prepping almost every single day um, because we're getting fresh product in every single day. And right. that's that's huge. Wow. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of labor um, on our end of things. But our poor kitchen guys, they work their asses off. <laughs> Shout out to Andrew and Augusto. Um, but Thanks, yeah, guys. that's that's like what I think really honestly is what people love about Dinamo. They may not realize that that's why why our food is is the way it is, or that that's why they love Dinamo so much. But it's also what um, differentiates us from a lot of other restaurants in this city um, is the quality of the ingredients and the freshness. Yeah. Um, Abby, thank you so much yeah. for this. Yeah. This has been very no. enlightening. Thank and, you. And you're such a lovely person. <laughs> That it was really, it was really nice. I'm to, glad I didn't talk too much shit. Yeah, you know, I like I can, I feel like I can go back out there on the streets and not be like, <laughs> no shame. Throw tomatoes at you. <laughs> and, um, well, um, thank you guys for you know doing this. I think it, it really is. Um, again, like everything we've talked about today, um, another positive um, thing about Richmond that's hopefully going to move move us forward in the right direction yeah. as, as this city grows. We hope so. We're pro-Richmond. Yeah. Everyone yeah. get All out the there to Dinamo and get that cabbage before they take it off. Oh, God, yes, yeah. But then after cabbage leaves, you know what comes. Ramp season. Uh, yep. Ramp season. White pizza you ramp. ramp sausage. <laughs> oh, you get ramp the ramp sausage. pasta. You get yep. the ramp pizza. Mm-hmm. Pickled ramp. You'll be seeing me. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Richmond Famous is hosted, produced, and edited by us, Laura Sant and Nicole Lang. Our theme song is Funky Virginia by Sir Guy. Please rate us and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us at richmondfamous.com and at rvafamous on Twitter and Instagram. Bye! Bye.